It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. If you see this face, if you hear this voice, what does that mean? That means the San Francisco 49ers are on to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. We are back with another episode of the Know How to Podcast on the Odyssey Network. I'm saying we got Brian, we got Al, and we got a potential Super Bowl run with a win on Sunday at Philadelphia. Al, remember last year? My, 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 how the turntables. How the turntables. You said how that. the turntables. <laughs> you know, and unbelievable generational performance by the defense against the Dallas Cowboys and just enough offense to get him over the hump with Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and obviously George Kittle playing starring roles. Robbie Gold was nails as he always is in the playoffs and they have dispatched two of their historically biggest rivals in the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys in one postseason. I used to pray for times like this guys. I was like, man, I can't wait till they do that. They did in one postseason. This has been fantastic, right? And if you grew up in the 90s, you know, they're beating up on the Cowboys in the postseason. They beat the Packers recently. And those, those teams own the Niners and broke a lot of hearts. So it's, it's really good to see. In this game, I love this game. I've said this before on the show where I love defensive battles where offense, I don't like sloppy offense. I like offense where it's difficult to get offense because the defense is so good. And I thought that's, that's what we had in this game. And for the Niners, they just, it was like a Rocky movie, man. Like they were getting their asses kicked early on, at least on offense. And even in the first half on, def- on defense, they, they only gave up six points, but Cowboys were moving the ball in the first half. But on offense, they were really, I felt like on the lines, they were getting beat up, man. And into the third quarter, it was like where Rocky's just getting pounded and pounded. And then all of a sudden, he just, he hits a shot, right? That long pass to Kittle. And then he gets a couple body blows. And then he starts pounding. And that's what it was like when you watch that drive at the end of the third quarter, ending with the McCaffrey score in the fourth quarter. And then the, then the following drives after that, they just really started to run the ball. And they started to play physical like you know the Niners can play. And everything just changed. You can kind of see like, I don't want to say the heart come out of Dallas, but the wind come out of Dallas. They were, they started to get beaten up. It was like, you know, he's like iron. Like I just keep hitting him and he's not going away. And the Niners in the first half, 11 carries, only 27 yards. And they were averaging three and a half yards on first down. So they were constantly second and long third and long but then in the second half 21 carries for 86 yards pretty makes a big throw to Kittle who makes a juggling catch and all of a sudden they get going and again I just you know you can you can have your 42 to 30 games I love games like this where it's just it's a battle people are getting bloody people are getting beat up and in the end the tougher team ends up prevailing and the team with the QB not who is the most prolific in these games but the QB who makes the least mistakes and that's what the Niners had I was to say, I think that's the <clears throat> the biggest takeaway from this game is obviously Brock Purdy faced the best defense that he has seen so far. You know, we we liked to talk prior to this game. You know, he he faced the the Commanders who have a a good defense and and they do and they have a good defensive line and and the 49ers still just absolutely slaughtered that team. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay has a decent defense, but they've kind of been beat up and Vita Vea left that game early. And so this really was the biggest test that Brock Purdy had to face thus far. And I know that we talk about that, or at least the pundits talk about that a lot. Essentially, every week has been a new test for Brock Purdy because 
He's doing things that no one else has done before. So obviously every new opportunity is another test, right? And so the thing, the thing that I came away from this and, and, and again, uh, for, for the sake of, of, of getting this out of the way right now so that Zane doesn't, Zane doesn't take me out. This is no shade whatsoever to the former starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo. But I confidently can say that that is not a game that the 49ers win if Jimmy Garoppolo is under center for two reasons. One, there's zero doubt in my mind that he throws at least one interception or has at least one turnover, which makes that turnover differential even, right? And then two, the amount of pressure that Dallas was getting, especially in the first half, would have would have absolutely given Garoppolo the happiest of happy feet in that pocket. And it did not seem to phase Purdy in so much as he did not seem rattled by it. Now, obviously, they got a couple sacks early. Uh, he wasn't necessarily... I don't want to say he wasn't good, because if you look at the numbers, he was fine. But what he was, was careful with the ball. And I think when people start pointing out, hey, there's some routes, especially later in the game, where he kind of left some meat on the bone, I would agree with that. But at the same time, I have to think that Kyle Shanahan was in Brock Purdy's ear all week saying, listen, we don't need you to win this game. We simply need you to take care of the ball. And so there were a couple routes. There was one, like a drag route that uh, to Debo, where if he would have at the right at the top of his drop, if he would have uh, fired it in there, he probably would have got it. But Leighton Vander Esch started to creep back and that, and that window got tighter. And honestly, I think he probably thought to himself, I'm, I'm not going to throw in, into that window because it's getting tighter. Not that it was tight at the time. And I think that's the difference is, is the, the processing speed to be like, I'm not going to put it there. I might be able to make that throw. And a gunslinger would be like, I'm going to make that throw. And I think he is a little bit, but, but I think he's, he's a little bit of a, of a careful gunslinger, if you will. So maybe he can't, you can't say that he's a gunslinger, but that was the biggest takeaway for me was I don't think all things considered if that game is exactly the same as it was on Sunday, but Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. Uh, I don't know that they would have won that game. And so kudos to Brock Purdy. Once again, the moment wasn't too big for him. And he played like the 30-year-old uh, vet and the $40 million a year quarterback. And Dak Prescott played like the seventh-round rookie, right? He, he, he put the ball well, in, in danger multiple times. And so... And, and the 49ers got, got their two interceptions, right? The, the guy who liked to throw interceptions most visited the team that liked to get them the most, and, mm -hmm. it, and it went the 49ers way. Here's the point, Brian, I think you made it. I don't think he played like a seventh-round rookie, Prescott. I think he played like most of the other motherfuckers out there. And here's what <laughs> I mean by that. You pay a quarterback a lot of money to not fuck up in a game like that. Okay, you pay a quarterback a lot of money. Kirk Cousins, you got all the stats, but in a game where it's with the defense, I, I just want you to manage the offense. Dak Prescott, you look great against Tampa, but in a game against that defense, just don't kill it. Just manage the game. He couldn't do it. And these quarterbacks are getting paid a lot of money, good quarterbacks, all over the league. How many times have we seen good players, you know, not your Zach Wilsons, good players crumble in situations like this? We see it over 
and over and over again. Really good quarterbacks who make a lot of money. So I, your point is correct, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily he played like a seventh-round rookie. I just think he played like every other middle pretty good QB. There's only some guys who, who step up big or do this in these situations. Brock Purdy, to me, did he go out and throw for 400 yards and three TDs? No. No, but he was he was poised. He did not make the big mistake. I know Diggs almost had the interception, but that was on a deflected ball. Yeah, so Joe, Montana, Joe Montana almost threw an interception in the end zone in Super Bowl 23. Didn't mm-hmm. count. Didn't happen. Nobody talks about that. So the same thing with Prescott. He almost threw a, threw a pick six to Greenlaw. Didn't happen. So, but what you saw was, yeah, he left some meat on the bone, but you look at Prescott. There was a, the play that Fred Warner made that wonderful play down the middle on CD. Oh my God. If I don't you know watch about that, that play. Dan Orslowski did a great job on it today. Um, on, I think it was on NFL Live. Showed the play, and the whole left center is green. Mm-hmm. Green. Mm-hmm. And Hilton runs, I think he just ran straight down the field, wide open, wide open. Prescott, Warner had gone to Lamb's side, and Prescott threw there for whatever reason. And yeah, Warner made a great play. But if Prescott just kind of looks to the left, it's a touchdown. So this is a $40 million veteran doing this in a big moment and forcing the ball and throwing interceptions in a big moment. Purdy didn't do any of those things. He just, he kept the chains moving. He made a couple big plays when he needed to. He was calm. He was poised. He did not hurt his team. And you have stats like Purdy had over 17 game season, 25, 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards, whatever it equated to. And you play the way he has in the first two playoff games. They're paying dudes like that $40 million a year. Mm-hmm. So all the people saying like, well, you know, Kyle's offense or he didn't look great. He did exactly what he had it to. And he's a rookie. We're watching veterans who make a ton of money in our pro bowlers not be able to do that week after week, year after year. Guys, Brock Purdy is going to start an NFC championship game and he's making Silicon Valley uh, middle uh, middle class salary right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. And and I joke, but but honestly, he's making less than eight hundred thousand dollars this year, and uh, and Dak Prescott making money. Is that what you said? Yes, <laughs> he, he absolutely is. Oh, okay. Um, I do I do want to say though, I do want to say I am not on this. I am not saying this because I am trying to defend Dak Prescott. I am saying this because I want I want Fred Warner to get the absolute the the bouquet of the hundreds of bouquets of roses that he should for this for that for that play. But the reason Dak went there is because Fred Warner was mugged up on the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. in a in a phantom pressure. He disguised it, yeah. And Dak Prescott goes, oh, there's no one in the middle of the field. There's not a single soul. And Fred Warner sprinted from the line of scrimmage to carry that route. And then the the actual free rusher came and he had to throw it a little bit early. But I think he made he made the absolute... 100% correct read and Fred Warner made an all world play to defend it. And I, I can't, I cannot stress enough how blown away I was by that play and by Fred Warner in general in this game. And it was incredible. And I, and I think I will spend a lot of time talking about the defense, but, but I, I will say, Al, I agree with you. Brock Purdy played the way that you need to play against a team with a defense that that the Cowboys have right mm-hmm. take care of the ball play within yourself and just don't turn it over and we've got the dudes to win and that's what he did and that's what they did and I loved it 
I feel like Kyle's play calling, even from the outset, you could tell. You could tell when Kyle's in his bag and when he's when he's feeling himself. And you can tell when he's like, you know what, we're just going to cruise. And that's essentially what the, he asked the offense to do. He said, okay, well, we need to be able to get to a certain point threshold. And once we get to that point, the defense will take care of the rest. I just, again, we'll talk about, like you said, we'll talk about the defense a little bit. But the idea that Purdy is is just a game manager and just executing the offense, I, we talked about it last week, how it was just such a disservice to him. And, and there are so many other quarterbacks that would not be able to execute at the level that he is. And nobody's saying that nobody's saying that he's setting the world on fire. Even now, if you look at the national media, it's funny. Before the game, it was all about Dallas, Dallas this, Dallas that, Dallas and the Eagles. What's the matchup going to be? Oh, man, this this Dallas defense, they're going to eat up Purdy. And all the attention started to switch to to the Cowboys. And, and I'm like, hello, the, the 49ers are the better team. They're the higher seed. They're the better team. They have the better record. Your record says what you are what your record says you are. And they they the Niners were the better team all year. They were the more talented team and the more, more talented team and better team won. It's very simple. But I will say that when asked to make those big throws, there were several of them. There were several to kill specifically that he made, uh, including one of the best catches I've ever seen with the one-handed tip to himself, bobbling catch that, that Kittle made, which was huge. He made the throws when he needed to make them and he didn't make those big mistakes that, that killed you. Like last year, right? Uh, again, you know, I'm, I'm as big of a Jimmy stand as anybody, right? But Dallas got back into that game last year because Jimmy threw a pick. That's, that's how that happened. Otherwise, Niners were cruising. They're they're ahead by by two scores, and it was, you know, basically you just run the clock out with with seven plus minutes left. He he didn't make that mistake, and he played another clean game. And when we previewed this, we said that if they if they play a clean game, which they did, aside from the Ray Ray fumble, which I do want to talk about, they would win the game, and that's exactly what happened. And Kyle ran the ball thirty plus times. I tweeted out before the game the Shuba game where Kyle should not hesitate to run the ball forty times if he has to at Micah Parsons and Marcus Lawrence and make them make them defend the run and it wore them down in the second half. And, and it was just an onslaught of, of just pulling guards and tackles and Trent Williams and, and use check just coming out of every single play. There is that signature drive in the second half where they rattled off like eight straight runs. It was that 10 plus play drive where they scored the touchdown. They rattled off eight or nine straight runs on that, on that drive. And that is just soul crushing. And every game that they have won during the streak, they have had a drive like that where it's, seven eight nine runs in a row and then it ends in a touchdown and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves but that's how you're going to beat philly as well right they're not very good at defending mm-hmm. run that's exactly how you're going to beat them in the second half and kyle executed this game plan in the second half to perfection like i give i give kyle a lot of shit on the show i do right and and al you know this as well like we've given a lot of a lot of flack over the years but the way he called plays in that second half to keep Purdy number one out of trouble and keep this offense moving, that to me is Pete Kyle Shanahan, not Kyle being in his bag and 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 calling flashy plays and things like that. To me, he when he is at his best and in a rhythm like that, there are very few teams and coaches that can outcoach him and beat him. And I hope that that's something that they can carry forward. Well, the thing and that it, I appreciated, I would say, and you kind of hit on it, uh, Zane, and I wanted to say this real quick because I think it's important. the The thing that I appreciated most about Shanahan was his unwavering commitment to running the ball in the second half. Uh, And you pointed out the touchdown drive, right? So the 49ers had back-to-back drives. They scored a touchdown, and then they drove down the field and scored a field goal. In those two drives alone, the first drive, the touchdown drive, was six minutes in length. 
the field goal drive was seven minutes and 59 seconds. So let's call it eight minutes. So in those two drives, they, they were one minute shy of a full quarter of possession in the second half. They just suffocated the air out of, out of mm-hmm. the stadium. They suffocated the air out of, out of Dallas. They kept that defense on the field. They kept maintaining their, uh, their will against them to where they had to defend the run and they had to, you know, they had to, to nut up and, and do it and they couldn't and they couldn't. And it's not, it's not for lack of trying. It's just, they got worn down. They got mm-hmm. worn down when you have to defend the run as much as they did in the second half. There's just, there's, there's not enough dudes that, that you can, that you can uh, sub in to, to allow you to, to stop that. And so uh, again, just masterful in my eyes in that second half was a high scoring. No, but it was, it was masterful in knowing what you can and cannot do and staying with what you can do and writing it into that victory. And so kudos to Kyle Shanahan. Real quick, the 49ers have outscored their opponents 35 to 12 in the second half in these two playoff games. They are, they are a second half team. They are a strong finishing team. And this is something that we've never seen before from Kyle Shanahan teams in the fourth quarter, because Typically, that's when the collapse happens, right? Where that's what happened against the Rams. That's what happened in the Super Bowl. That's typically what's what's been happening with them, right? And you can you can say that it's because the quarterback was was holding them back, and I think that's partially true. But now you're seeing him actually, number one, trust his quarterback enough to make those big throws, and number two, they're able to actually finish games off the way that we that we had always hoped they would. The trust factor is the big thing, and I'm going to give you guys a few examples on that last drive, the field goal drive. There were two third and shorts. The first one, he went empty backfield. And I said to myself, he's really going empty right now. He's moving, no threat of the run. Yep, he converted it. Second time, he went empty again with his rookie and he converted it again. And anybody's saying like, oh, well, whatever, it was third and two, third and three. Those are intensely, so much pressure on those throws to make those mm-hmm. two. And the kid, Kyle showed the faith in him and he did it. And the, the other thing that I said, wow, he just has so much more faith in him than I've ever seen him have with the Niners quarterback. When there was two Oh five left in the game, and the Niners got the ball back. The next play is the two minute warning. So I thought a pass was the, was the right call there, but are you going to trust your quarterback to, to make the throw? There is the, is the thing. And he did and Purdy stuck to Kittle for the first down. So Kyle's showing the faith in him and Purdy coming through in those situations. Again, how many times have we seen quarterbacks not do it? It's difficult. It's high pressure. And for the kid to be doing it, I feel like these are things people should be screaming from the mountaintop. Those plays like that, like, the, yeah, the kid will throw was great and this, that, and the other thing. But people are, those are the things that this kid is doing that. He's 23 years old. If Trevor Lawrence was doing that, I would be impressed, you know, at, at his age. Justin Herbert, young QBs like that. You have to do it. You have to be battle tested. And for him to do it, I, I thought was great. And for Kyle to show the faith in him, I, I thought was tremendous. In Shanahan now, you guys, yeah, we did. Zane, we were hard on him for for a little bit, and we said that this year had to be a good year from him. But Kyle now, since 2019, including the postseason, dude's 48 and 26. Mm-hmm. He's been to three NFC championships in four years. Can people – let's see how this season ends. If it's another bad loss, can people attack him that way? Sure, and they will probably. But you can't talk he, – he's an upper echelon coach. It's, it's non-negotiable mm-hmm. now. Absolutely non-negotiable. He's one of the top coaches in the league. He's proved it three of the last four years. In the one year he didn't, there were injuries and COVID and being displaced to Arizona. 
Three of the last four years, they have been double digits, wins, NFC championship. Kyle Shanahan is an upper echelon coach in the NFL right now and argument. There is not a coach in the NFC that I think uh, is better than Kyle Shanahan, even with Nick Sirianni's, uh, even with his, with his season, this season. Um, I don't, I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. I would, I'm not, I would rather have Shanahan. I think you can make an argument for Pete Carroll because he has the title and he's had such a long that's fair. History of success. But I but right now, if you made me yes, I would take Shanahan right now. I don't um, like to think of, about the Seahawks, so I know. But body of work. <laughs> that's a great that's I think you're right, Brian. I'm trying to run through everybody in my head. I don't think there's anybody you would put over him. Yeah. I mean, right. Sirianni Sirianni's such a D bag that like he gets put down in my mind anyways, right? So say, <laughs> Zane's already on the timeline talking shit about Nick Sirianni, and I love it. I absolutely love him- it. You can make a McVay argument too. There's a couple people make arguments for, but I think that's the point, right? You now, whereas before you would have said, yeah, McVay definitely, or Carroll definitely. Now you can make that argument. Yeah. But Shanahan is right there, right there. So. Well, yeah. the other thing is, is that McVay, like Shanahan, basically took a, a McVay-like team um, and put them. I mean, in 2020, that's essentially what happened, right? He he put them in a position where they almost could have made the playoffs, but they've lost a bunch of games at the end. I mean, I feel like he did much more with, with in the same situation. Right. So I'd still say that Kyle is probably a, McVay has a title, but I feel like Kyle is probably, yeah, they got the chip. Yeah. Yeah. Got the chips. yeah. Kyle gets the chip, man. He wins the Super Bowl this year. I mean, you're talking definitely top five type of, again, non-negotiable. If he gets a chip, he goes into the next stratosphere. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I was listening to uh, candlestick chronicles with Chris Biederman and Kyle Matson. Matson's a a producer at 95, seven, the game. So shout out to that uh, Odyssey family. Uh, But they made a good point, or I think might've been Biederman, but he said, we may, we may be looking now like this may be, this may be the the season that solidifies Shanahan to where we might be seeing like a Mike Tomlin, like run in San Francisco. Mm -hmm with Kyle Shanahan. And and all he meant by that was, you know, we're talking 10, 15 years, possibly. I mean, we're already, we're already at six, right? We're already yeah, more than halfway to 10 and he's got that contract. But I mean, again, you know, he's been here since 2017. He inherited one of the worst rosters in the NFL in two years. He took that same roster to the Super Bowl. And then in 2020 had a down year because he lost his superstar defensive end. He lost his quarterback. He lost his superstar wide receiver for a while, lost a superstar tight end for a while, right? That was his down year. Still, like you said, Zane almost made it to the playoffs. Uh, if Nick Mullins, you know, was more Brock Purdy like than he, than he was. <laughs> um, and then he made two back-to-back NFC championship games. Like, it's hard to argue, you know, it's hard to argue against the guy and you know, there's always going to be detractors, but I'll tell you what, I'm so thrilled that Kyle Shanahan is the coach of the team that I root for. Yeah. I think that there's small little things that we could still say like, Oh, well, you know, the clock management towards the end, like that, you know, when they got down before the field goal, they threw a screen pass instead of running it that one, running it there, making Dallas use a timeout or burning the clock a little bit. But I think that, the way that he handled that last drive, like they, they got the ball with, with around 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And mm-hmm. they literally chewed up the entire clock to where Dallas got the ball with three and a half minutes left. And 
you know, they had all their timeouts and everything, but they were down by seven at that point. And also, can we, can we also talk about really quickly, Brett Maher, like they, they left that guy in San Francisco, man, that guy's still here. They left him off the team plane. He's still here. Dallas is basically like, we were done with you. I, I, I really kind of want curious to think about like what would have happened and how Mike McCarthy would have played that game. If he had a kicker that he could trust, although he did hit two field goals. One, one of them was, was a little longer one at 43 yards, but I really do question how, what they would have done and, and if they would have just taken points. And I think that it was one of those games where the Niners, they had several distinct advantages and good teams exploit those. And that's exactly what they did. Uh, you know, as we kind of talk about move to the defense here and NC 17, right? No chance you're scoring more than 17. And they would have had this in both games. If Seattle didn't get, get that garbage time touchdown, right? We would have seen this in both games, but the defense puts up an all time historical performance, in my opinion, against one of the best offenses in the league. Again, back to back years, the number, the number one offense in the league. They're the number one scoring offense in the NFL. Again, right? No, Cowboys, no, no, Philly and Kansas City scored more points than them. They were third per game. Oh, per game? Yeah. Kansas City had 496. With, with Dak. I'm sorry. With Dak. Sorry. With, with Dak? Dak. Okay. My with apologies. Dak. With Dak, they were the highest scoring offense in the NFL. My so ball. there you go. So when Dak Prescott played minus the five games that he missed, they were the highest scoring offense in the NFL. So this is, this is not, this was not a JV league team, right? This was an actual tough opponent. We knew it would be tough. We knew that it was not going to be like the Seattle game. It was going to be closer. And that's exactly what happened. And they forced Dak Prescott into two crucial mistakes, one early on. And I, I, I really want to give flowers to Diameter Lenore. Like we were, we were kind of critical of him a couple of weeks ago. And thinking that he might be the weak link, all of a sudden he, he's looking a lot better, and he's he's holding his own opposite Mooney Ward on 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 the other side. And they tried to test him, and they and they lost at the beginning. That was a huge field goal for the Niners because their offense was stuck in neutral up until that point, and for them to get points on the board was was massive at that at that point. And then later on, Dallas was driving in the red zone. Jimmy Ward tips it, goes into Fred Warner's hands. Johnny on the spot, and Dre Greenlaw almost comes up with a pick six to end the game. So there's just they're always around the ball, but I think going into this game, Dak led the league in turnovers, right? Despite missing five games, mm-hmm. and we knew that he was going to throw That's the crazy. defensive ball, which is <laughs> unreal. Yeah, he, he had not gone back-to-back games without without throwing an interception. We knew it was going to come, and it was up to the defense to catch it, and they did. I want to real quick. I wanted to because you kind of talked about Brett Maher, and I thought the interesting thing is you pointed out that Jimmy Ward interception. To me. That's another huge turning point in this game. If you have faith in your kicker, they would have kicked a field goal already in that drive, right? Mm -hmm. They went for it on fourth down because they were terrified of their kicker. They got it good for them. But then was it two or three plays later is when you get that Fred Warner interception, right? That bounced off Mm -hmm. Jimmy Ward's chest right Mm -hmm. into Fred Warner. So that's a six point swing that also gave the 49ers the lead going into the half. So not only is it a it, not only is it a six point swing, but also now you go into half down, right? Whereas you are driving, you're you, they were in line for the patented Kyle Shanahan Madden mm-hmm. double up, mm-hmm. right? They were driving, right? They could have. I mean, granted, the 49ers would have got the ball back if they would have kicked a field goal there. But if they would have kicked a field goal there, the 49ers likely drive down, probably kick another field goal. It's still tied, right? So. Mm-hmm that was a huge turn of events and it had everything to do with Mike McCarthy, not being able to trust his kicker, which I thought was, you know, a, a, a huge swing in this game. And I That's think, I think another huge, huge swing was the Tony Pollard injury. 
when he yeah, went yeah. out there, he changes his Dallas's offense. And when hey, he got hurt, they were a different offense. Can I just but, say karma's a bitch? Like we mm-hmm. read all week about that stupid ass uh, radio station in Dallas, literally on air, hoping for a Christian McCaffrey injury. Four Niner fans pointed out they double down on their douchebaggery. And what happens in the game? They they lose their most explosive player. Like, I mean, I, you hate to see uh, a player injured, but man, talk about like 49er fans never said anything along mm. those same lines, right? Never wished injury on anybody. Never did any of that. Just, you know, talk their shit like they wanted to, and that's fine. But like I said, that's that's karma. But go ahead, Al. You're right. That Tony Pollard injury was huge. Yeah, I thought it changed everything because Dallas was – I mean, they weren't prolific by any means, but they were moving the ball. I, th- I thought that they were moving the ball enough to where I was, you know, I was a little bit worried at that point. And then Prescott forces the throw, it bounces up, and, and the rest is history. The momentum completely changed. Um, I think for me with the Niners defense, you had Fred Warner having an all-time game. That's the type of game when he's up, whenever he retires and he's up for the Hall of Fame – feel like that's the type of game they're going to be, you know, Mike Sando, Matt Miyako, Mayoko, and those guys are going to be in the room talking about this game. I felt like mm-hmm. he was that impactful in this game. Um, he played like an all pro, he played like a future Hall of Famer. I thought he made that much of a difference. He was all over the field. Um, and when you have guys like that, it makes a huge difference. And you mentioned the player earlier, Brian, that I- I'm sure Dak didn't think Warner was going to get there because he's probably the only linebacker in the league who would have gotten the lamb. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he made, he made a big difference. Um, I'm going to say this and people are going to think I'm crazy. There are cracks in the armor with this defense and mostly in the passing game. Um, there are plays there to be made. Now guys aren't making them. The quarterbacks aren't making them. And as, as long as that keeps happening, who cares? There can be plays there for the next 10 years. If they don't make them, who cares? But there are plays to be made in the secondary. AJ Brown, I don't want to get into the game yet. We will, but AJ Brown and those guys worry me because of that. And the, uh, the kryptonite to this defense, we saw it with Jared Stidham with the rushing lanes saw it a little bit with Dak. Dak had three Dak isn't he doesn't move like he used to but he had three good runs in this game that scares the shit out of me with Jalen Hurts we'll get into that next game but that's if yeah the defense has been great and they deserve their flowers in this game Dallas is Dallas scored a ton of points they're a good offense but there's a few there's a few cracks in the armor Nick Bosa hasn't had a sack in a couple games I wonder if he's healthy actually I saw him kind of grabbing his at his stomach I kind of wonder a little bit beat up um but the pass rush has been they've been getting pressure but it hasn't been that shake your soul kind of pack pass rush that we've seen mm-hmm. we've seen guys have really good some again they got players man that make plays you know Funga made a couple plays you know and that's going to happen um and that that can make up for some of these things but Lenore made has made some plays I don't think Lenore played poorly by any stretch of the imagination but there are plays that this this has not been it's been terrific but I saw, I think I, I saw Matt Mayoko said it was like one of the best defensive performances ever. And it was a great one. But I just think, I think there's a few cracks there. And everybody's going to be like, I'll shut up. But I got to say what I see. I, I, I want them to win so bad. You guys have no idea. Like I was like just rocking back and forth for like three and a half hours. <laughs> but there's some things that I see that have worried me for the past five or six weeks in the passing game. I don't feel like can run the hell out of the ball. I think the Niners will do okay there because the linebackers and everything else. But I worry about a little bit. Of, I worry about people getting open. And even the Michael Gallup play, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a better throw towards that end there. He, Prescott might have been able to hit him there. So things yeah. like that that you see that haven't hurt them yet, and knock on wood, it's not going to matter. 
that's just kind of where I am with the defense. You guys are great. I love you. you. You did a great job. But there's just, again, I'm thinking Super Bowl. I know Joe Burrow is on the horizon. I know Patrick Mahomes is on the horizon. We know Jalen Hurts is on the horizon. So, yeah, we got to be realistic, too. Those are some things that might have to get cleaned up. Yeah. The one thing I that, that I, I – oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Zane. I was going to say, the um, one I thing think- that I appreciated was there weren't coverage busts like we've seen over the past few games. Mm-hmm. Um, there weren't any any coverage busts from Hufanga, which is great. Uh, there wasn't any coverage bus from anyone else, right? The the throw to Gallup that was well defended, but a, a better throw would have would have made a completion. And then that throw to Lamb, the the one explosive play really that that Dallas had was it was again just a it was just a go ball, and Diamador Lenore did get beat. You know he 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 played off coverage, and CD Lamb just ran by him, and and Dak made the throw. But outside of that, the the coverage was was very sound in this game. They gave up 282 yards to a Dallas offense that is really good, right? Like I said, with Dak Prescott, they led the league in scoring, and not only that, uh, they were I believe they led the league in red zone scoring uh, this season. I think they were I think they converted 75 percent of their red zone trips into touchdowns, and they got one in this game. So again, just an incredible performance from this defense, incredible game plan from D'Amico Ryans. Both defensive coordinators in this game had incredible game plans. Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn mm-hmm. threw out an, uh, a defense that I don't think Kyle Shanahan was ready for. No. I, they played, you know how much 3-4 no. they played in that game? You know how many bear fronts they had in that game? Which are totally out of character for, for Dallas. And how many times was, and, and then and then Dan Quinn using Micah Parsons as the ultimate chess piece, playing uh, outside linebacker, defensive no, end, middle linebacker. Yeah. The dude was incredible. Did not yeah. have a huge impact on the stat sheet, but man, he affected the 49ers offense. A lot of the plays that that either A ended in a pretty throwaway or B ended in a pretty sack were there because of heads up coverage plays by Micah Parsons, who read the play and then went out into the flat to cover the guy that would have been wide open had it not been Micah Parsons there. So both defensive corners had an incredible game. It's just that, you know, the 49ers offense didn't make mistakes and D'Amico Ryan's and the 49ers defense forced Zach into two of them. And that was the difference in the game. You know, th- this 49ers team is now, I believe undefeated on the season. If they mm-hmm. are even or ahead in turnover margin and, and they did it again uh, this game. Yeah, that was that was the big thing for me is that when they started forcing turnovers, that's when I started the anxiety started to go down a little bit. I'm like, okay, it's, as long as this is either positive or neutral in terms of turnover margin, they're fine. And uh, to your point, Al, I think that I think it's fair to be worried about them and 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 say that it's 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 all on film. We've seen this, right? This isn't just mm-hmm. stuff that you're making up. It's stuff that we've actually seen happen. But I think that can be said about like a lot of teams, right? No team is perfect right now. Although I will say that. Man, how awesome is it that, in my opinion, you have the four best teams in the NFL still 100%. playing right now, which is which you don't get that happen very often. But this is a quality last four grouping, and and I think that's great for the league and that's great for the game. But um, for example, Philadelphia, if we're, if we're looking at their defense, um, and again, I'm not trying to give away our our preview show later on this week, but um, for uh, their run D, the for uh, they are ranked number 21 in DVOA. Yep. yep. They uh, have. They're ranked number 22 in adjusted line yards. They're dead last in power run D success rank. 
and they are number 26 in stop percentage. So you know what the game plan is going to be next week, right? Or this this coming week. You know what's going to happen, right? You know what Kaz is going to attack, and you know how Philly's going to counter that. It's going to be a lot of the same stacking the box, A-man fronts, and, and asking Brock Purdy to beat them. But now that being said, opposing offenses will try to put that same pressure on the Niners' defense too. And I expect more deep shots from Jalen Hurts. He has two elite receivers. I expect them to try to go deep more. Now it's just a matter of the Niners to being able to get them get to the quarterback. And while they didn't get to Dak Prescott, they hurried him enough. Like the first interception, Armstead was was right there, right on the first interception. And and he was pressuring Dak and basically he had to get the ball out and and Lenore came up with the pick. And that to me is just as good as a sack because you forced the quarterback into doing something that they don't want to do. And although you didn't lose the yardage, you either you either got the ball back or you lost the down. So Sack numbers and things like that, those will come, right? And I think that's a reflection of, uh, number one, the game plan that the opposing offense has employed against you, and number two, the type of quarterback that you're playing. Um, I agree that going back to the whole Pollard injury, first of all, it looks like he broke his, his uh, I think, tibia. Broke his fibula. 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 So, yeah. which, is, which is terrible. I hope, hope that he recovers fast. And that's, you know, he's a free agent too, which, which sucks in a free agent season. Yeah. But I feel like that was also the turning point in the game. And, and once, once we saw Zeke Elliott get the ball, like I've never seen a more, a more broken down old looking 27 year old running back. He's only 27 years old. And that guy is done. He's finished. That dude, that dude counts 16 million against their cap next year. And that's crazy. He's, he's finished. And that's what changed the game. So again, like, you know, anything like that can happen to, to change the flow of a game. And I think that if the Niners played it the right way, they kept it close in the first half and they pulled away in the second half. And that's, that's what you want to do. You want to empty your bullets in the second half and pull away. And the defense, while they did have, they weren't perfect. Uh, Armstead had a sack in the end zone at the end of the game, which would have essentially ended the game with the safety. But later on, he came out and said that I didn't want to take the personal foul penalty. Just kind, of right. him kind of patted him so on the he, shoulder and ran on by. Literally, he just, <laughs> and, and he had him dead to rights. And when he had him, I was literally yeah. screaming at my TV. I'm like, what are you doing? Go low. And, and yeah. Go yeah. low. Just, just take him down. And, and he didn't do it. But I think that, you know, they were able to avoid those small little things. Um, their, their, their tight end, Dallas's tight end, I do want to take some time and laugh at Dallas for a little bit too. Uh, their tight end forgets to put both Man, yeah, down. They had all the chances in the world, Dallas. They they got <laughs> themselves in the foot 100%. I, they did. I want to shout out Diamador Lenore, not Diamador Lenore, sorry, Charvarius Ward to point that out, Zane, because I know you're going to point that out, right? Schultz yes. had two two errors at the end of the game there, right? The first mm-hmm. one was obvious. I yelled at my TV Prior to anybody else, I said, I don't, I was like, did he get both feet down? I don't think he did. And then they finally reviewed it. And I was like, yes, but, but that, that hit that Ward had on Schultz after he caught, caught that out where he hit him and he went backwards out of bounds. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Ward immediately pointed at the ref saying, look, he went backwards. Ward knew the rule, right? The Mm -hmm. rule is. You don't, the stop doesn't, the clock doesn't stop unless you're going forward out of bounds. Correct. And so he comes up, Ward breaks immediately when he sees that and puts the biggest hit he can on Schultz, sends him backwards. Schultz goes out of bounds and Ward immediately heads up, says, Hey, keep that clock running. So again, well coached, right? That's mm-hmm. where you're, that's where we're talking. That's the difference in the game. The 49ers were better coached than the Cowboys on Sunday. And it was obvious. Guys, there's two people that we have to talk about, or it would just be irresponsible, I feel like. The first is Robbie Gould. Robbie Gould. Yes. 
clutch. We just talked about all the issues with the Cowboys kicker. He is just as clutch as can be. Good as gold, I'm not baby. gonna give I'm not gonna give a stat I want to give because I don't want to jinx anything, but let's just say he was as clutch as you could be in the Niners kick coverage, which was absolutely garbage. God yeah. awful. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Which again, another thing if you know, uh, but there is a play that could have maybe been a touchdown. Maybe there was somebody else there too. Mm-hmm. But Robbie Gould just I don't care what the tackle looks like. He just kind of threw his body in front of him and, and got him down. Got in front of him, yeah. Yep. 40-year-old Robbie Gold. 40-year-old Robbie yeah, Gold. Another thing in a close game like this, if that doesn't happen, even if he gets another 20 yards, you never, you never know. He was so clutch. Mm-hmm. And if when again, when you have moments, when you're a team like the 49ers who have been in 18 NFC championships now, which is insane in itself, we're not – we are worried about the regular season, but talk to me about what happens in the postseason. That's what we're concerned about. And when dudes step up like that, yeah, that's that stuff that you're talking about, and that's where you earn like whatever, whatever the Yankees call you your you earn your pinstripes. So, kickers matter. Um, Kicker, kickers matter. In this case, in this case, hundred percent, hundred percent. And the other guy I want to bring up, I'll let you guys react to it because again, we talked about Fred Warner playing like an All Pro. George Kittle in this game. Yes. Yep. Five targets, five catches, ninety-five yards. By far his most prolific postseason game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he drew big penalties, two of them, I believe. Um, down inside the red zone. Mm-hmm. He played again, like just an absolute all pro. The long pass that he juggled and got, he wasn't even in the progression. He just saw right. 30 running and he ran he it. He took it vertical. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, it's again, those those two guys to me, just in this game, I thought it was about again, you're we're talking about the 49ers here, right? This isn't the Jaguars. Hey, we're thrilled to be in the playoffs. It's the 49ers. We want to win championships. And we got to give some flowers. Fred Warner, George Kittle, Robbie Gold. Like guys like that just came up so so big, and you just kind of etch your name in 49ers history when you when you have postseason games like that. Yeah. Zane, correct correct me if I'm wrong, but I know your impact player on the defensive side was Fred Warner, right? Wasn't that who you took? Mine was mine was take... Drake Greenlaw. Oh, okay. I thought it was Fred Warner. It was Drake Greenlaw. Okay, and did, did Drake, Drake take a penalty? Kittle? No, that was that was kind of impactful. Did. The message took a penalty out. Did of you balance? take Kittle? <laughs> I took I took McCaffrey. Okay. Yeah, I don't think any of us took Kittle. Um, yeah, huge game. You know, when I, that question was, what game are we going to say this is? And this is 100%. You can call this the George Kittle game if you want. I, yeah. You could argue you can call it the Fred Warner game if you want. Both players were the best on either side of the ball mm-hmm. uh, in it for either team, in my opinion. Um, you know, CeeDee Lamb had over 100 yards receiving, but I, I, none of them were incredibly impactful. Um, it, and wasn't then allowed, later, it wasn't allowed 10 catch 100 plus yard yeah, game. Right, right, quiet, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and and that Dallas defense played really well, but nobody really stepped out, right? Micah Parsons looked awesome on screen, mm-hmm. but didn't make a huge impact on the stat sheet, uh, mm-hmm. but still, you know, played an incredible game. I would I would argue he probably outplayed Nick Bosa, unfortunately, because uh, Bosa didn't have much of an impact either. But, uh, yeah, George Kittle, uh, man. Again, glad I, I wore, I did not change it up. I wore my McCaffrey jersey, which came on Friday because I did not wear it for the game because I, I, I stayed with tradition. I, I went with my Kittle jersey yes. and uh, it, it paid off. So yes. uh, love George Kittle. Love that he's on my team. Dude is one of the best uh, personalities in the NFL. And uh, yeah, that was, you know, when you need someone to step up, he 100% did. Yeah, yeah, blue chip and dudes, really man. Quick, talk about plays. Yeah, talk about special teams though, really quick. To, back to that. Okay, so Ray Ray, we got that out of the way, right? 
no more, right? We just got you. We got your phone. He had problems with that in Pittsburgh. Yet, just just get it out of the way, right? We don't. It, it no harm, no foul. We still won the game. Get the fumble out of the way because you're not going to do it again, right? Right, right, right. If you're listening to this podcast, which I know you are, because you listen to Know How to Podcast on the Odyssey Network, we'll just get that out of the way, and then you don't have to worry about it for the rest of the playoffs. Hey, but shout out to Ray Ray for following up that fumble with a 53-yard kickoff return, just which put them in a tremendous position. So, again, yeah. shout out to these 49ers who are mentally resilient, right? Nobody nobody gets down. If a mistake is made, they come back and they and they account for it. And he 100% did, right? You know, he, the next time he got to touch the ball, took it 53 yards, which I think was the longest return of the season so far for the 49ers. So shout out to Ray Ray for having a short memory and uh, being an impact player for this team. What the hell was that last play by Dallas? What was that? <laughs> they had to, so they had to keep a tradition. They had to get laughed at to end the game, just like last it, year. You, like, I, can't, I just can't believe a coach would put that into their playbook. Like, you would waste practice time on that play. Like, all right, Zeke, we're going to have you line up. At as soon as he lined up at center, I'm just like, just obliterate him. Just just run over him. Who cares? <laughs> just run over him. He's not going to block anybody. And that's exactly what happened. I'm like, what were they trying to accomplish there? It was just the funniest thing. And to hear it's uh, so I've been on, I've been on the national whatever media thing all day today, right? Just seeing what they, what people are saying. Obviously nobody's giving credit to the Niners, but like everybody's bagging on the Cowboys. Obviously. So it's a great day. <laughs> it's a really good day today. I talk I so, I rarely, like I'm not really a shit talker. I talk so much shit at the TV after that, that yes. whatever the hell that last play was. Yes. I just like, my wife's like, will you shut up? Like I was just, like, <laughs> I loved it. Cause it was, it was just ridiculous. And two years in a row, the Cowboys just have like plays that they're going to show over and over again, losing to the 49ers with Dak running the clock out last year and whatever the hell they were trying to do this week, Zeke getting trucked and just throwing it to whoever he threw it to when they got trucked. And it was just, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. Lovely. I love if you ask me how I want the, the Niners to the last play of the Niners Cowboys playoff game, I, and you told me those were the two plays in the past two years. I would have, it just would have been too good. <laughs> Hey, uh, shout out to uh, shout out to my cousin Mike who uh, texted me a couple hours before the game to talk shit and then uh, bet me a hundred dollars, which I took from him. Obliged. So B- buy yourself some nice. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I love Man. it. But before we get out of here, I got I got to say one thing just to just to tease the uh, the preview show later on this week against the Eagles. The Niners have been to six championship games in the last twelve years. Six mm-hmm. in the last twelve years. We are back, okay? And furthermore, at some point, they're going to convert one of these, right? They have com- they have not converted the first five. At one po- at some point, hey, even a blo- broken clock is right twice a day, right? They're going to convert one of these just by dumb luck, right? Uh, although law of averages is not an actual law and doesn't exist, you got to think that something's going to happen that they will actually end up turning one of these into a Super Bowl victory. So that's all I'm going to say. In hey, the last- Rock. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, in the last 40 something years, okay, the Niners have been in, well, they were in two NFC championships in the 70s, but then in the 80s, five, 90s, five, 2000s, well, we, were, we won't talk about that. Uh, the 10s, <laughs> four, in the 20s, two. So they've essentially, for the last like 44, 45 years, 40 years, whatever it's been, they've been in like half of the NFC championships games if you don't count the 2000s, which I'm not going to. So if you just count the 80s, 90s, 10s, and 20s, they're basically in half the NFC championship games. That's insane. It's yeah, insane. I love it. I love it. I love hey, this game so much, man. And going, I, I want to say, going into Philadelphia, Brock Purdy has twice as many playoff victories as the guy that quarterbacks the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts. So no big deal. <laughs> oh and then also, also, just if any Eagles fans are listening to this right now, 
Uh, I know that you guys think that your performance on Saturday uh, made you some kind of unstoppable offense. I'd like to remind you that the Giants were the 29th ranked defense by DVOA. So hanging 38 on them, not as impressive as you think it is. Just yeah. saying. All right, All right, we're well, out of here, right? We're gone. We're done. Brian and Dave. That's it. That's I'm it. out. <laughs> Later. Nine, zero, three. One, two, three. Nine, zero, 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 